0: Okay. And we're back. I think this is episode 13. And in a follow-up to our interview with Mark, aka Deadliest Lift, we're here with Atlas Power Shrugged, who also has gained a decent following on social media due to odd lifts and a more traditional style of lifting, kind of the old-timey strongman lifts. He came about with... Mikey, Maybe Me, Deadliest Lift, of course, doing the Ego Lifting Olympics. He had some pretty impressive entries with that. So that was great seeing that about a year ago or so. Yeah, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very welcome. much for having me. It's an honor to follow the uh, the zercher Deadlift World Record holder, a little bit less of an honor to follow his overhead pressing ability. You know, like you said, his overhead, not, not as much, but wow. That's incredible uh Zercher deadlift. That was like, when he busted that out, I was like, I'm competing against what? Like, come on. You you can't do that. But he did. It's like, how are you supposed to compete with that? You can't you can't compete with that, you know? Crazy.
2: Yeah, five five fifty from the floor is insane. Um yeah. I might I might one day be able to do that, deadlift to my lap and then Zercher, but man. The mobility, <laughs> to, to, just to get you that know. get that low, because he's a tall guy. Jeez, yeah,
1: uh, I was surprised. Insane. But, hey, yeah, Alec, I think you'll, you'll get it fairly, fairly easily. Because it looked, I mean, seeing your 500, it looked like you were just playing games with it. Just, oh, yeah, I'm just going to real quick throw <laughs> it up with, you know, close grip and all. i like, hey, that, you know, that's, that, I've done some reps with that weight, but it's hard for me. It looks like it was just, eh, I'll try a new thing. Well, let's pull it up real quick. You'll get 550, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see.
2: But hey, again, great to have you. Um, as we kind of talked before we started, we like to play some games here um, and we're gonna do Trash for Treasure again because it, it's good to, I think, to uh, kind of cultivate some conversation. Um, and so what we do, if you watched the last episode with uh, Deadliest Blitz, just gonna name off a kind of a general um, uh, supplement. We'll vote Trash for Treasure if you don't have any ID, you've never used it. You can go ahead and take a pass. Um, we'll just kind of discuss what uh, everybody's reasonings are for what why they voted for what they voted, and and we'll go on from there. So I've got seven today. We'll try to keep it under 20 minutes, and then we'll jump into uh, more of the interview, and more about about you. So first Word. one is creatine ethyl
1: ester. Atlas. Um, I have no idea. Is that different from creatine monohydrate? <laughs> it is. It is. It's, a, it's the more expensive version. <laughs> <Matt>. <laughs> I'm going to say trash then because, I mean, the main reason you might call creatine treasure is because it's cheap. I mean, why wouldn't you take it when, if you have any kind of finances, you might as well get, I mean, maybe it helps. You might as well try. But yeah, if it's going to be expensive, then probably not. Okay. John.
0: I am in the same boat of, I actually only know about monohydrate because I tend to go for that bargain deal of like a dollar a pound kind of thing. <laughs> so, I don't know. It, I feel like the more expensive version does it, I guess you'll probably have to explain it to us that.
2: Yeah. Um, so yeah. so you're, you're saying trash as well?
0: I would say an unknown. I would say in that okay. kind of middle of like- Okay, okay. Of the uh, world, I'm
2: definitely gonna vote trash. Um, so there's, there's actually other um, creatine types. I don't know what you want to call them, derivatives or whatnot, other than monohydrate that promise like faster absorption, greater saturation, whatever. Um, and that's kind of cre- creatine ester. I think there's one more is like di-creatine malate or something like that. There may be another one out there. And they all promise to do something better than creatine monohydrate do, do, uh, does at a much higher premium. Um, and the fact is, is that they don't actually do anything better than monohydrate. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely trash in my opinion. That makes uh, sense. And I think you guys kind of more or less does the same thing. If it's more expensive, what's the point, right? There's no point in it. So definitely save your money on the creatine, on anything other than creatine monohydrate. And again, I'm always a big fan of just to eat lots of red meat, you'll get plenty of creatine.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Because I I, I know when I first tried creatine in college, I was still doing like the, you're not supposed to eat red meat, you're supposed to eat like chicken and rice and stuff thing. And I got huge gains out of it. Now that I'm eating a ton of red meat, I barely even see anything. I just do it just because maybe in case, but it's not the same. Yeah, I mean, the red meat really is a big factor.
2: Yeah, and actually, I mean, there's creatine in all animal products. So, I mean, you get creatine from dairy, from chicken, from fish, uh, but I think the highest concentration probably from red meat so um next one is glucosamine and other joint supplements atlas
0: Ooh,
1: Uh, i'm gonna have to pass on that one okay john
0: um i take it at night with magnesium because i think it kind of helps i don't i don't know it's kind of like one of those ones where it's like magnesium glucosamine and potassium are like nighttime things that i think might help okay. i don't know it's more we... just because like andy got prescribed some or like her doctor mentioned so a treasure that... for john yeah i would say i would say a pocket treasure <laughs> just kind of like <laughs> yeah okay. well i'm going
2: with, with trash again that's kind of my my trend anyway with most supplements but um trash what's your reasoning John? i mean you kind of said you think it kind of helps do you have any other
0: i yeah it's one of those things that i kind of like yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's what, it's probably just like a thing of habit at this point. I probably get more benefit out of just like magnesium and potassium. really. So, so magnesium,
2: that's I, I not on the list, but magnesium, I think is a great supplement because most people don't get, uh, I mean, depending on the brand, right. Quality and whatnot. Most people don't get enough magnesium in their, in their diet. So supplementing meat, magnesium, generally considered, uh, a net positive for most people. Um, but yeah, glucosamine and, you know, I think there's a chondroitin, um, collagen. I think people may even, you know, suggest fish oil for, for, uh, joint health. Um, I, I, don't think there's any evidence that I've seen, um, anywhere on the, on the internets that suggests that they actually do anything. And I've used them in the past and saw no results. So definitely a trash on my, on my end. Um, next one, whey
1: concentrate, specifically, Alice that's the one that's more expensive right no 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 typically
2: typically concentrate's probably the cheaper one it's it's okay kind of, it's the one that's been around forever
1: yeah okay and if it's okay basically so we're talking like regular basic uh bulk weight protein yeah treasure um okay. yeah i mean it's it's going to be cheaper than almost any other source of animal protein generally if you're not, you know, buying something that's overpriced, so why not? And just add, you know, if you're eating just a bunch of meat it add some variety. It could be hard to find strawberry flavored meat, you know? <laughs>
0: right.
1: <laughs> John.
0: Yeah, I would I would say especially for people if you're on a budget and you're trying to bulk and just like have something extra. I know once again kind of like a repeat theme. If you can get it from meat, that's probably the best way to do it. But I personally, I think the protein powder I have right now is that carnivore stuff that's supposed to be like beef protein or something. But I think whey, if it doesn't bother your stomach, whey protein is okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, you, I mean, you both make some good points on like cost and whatnot. I lean more towards the trash side on whey concentrate because it's also concentrated lactose or um, comes with concentrated lactose with most people um, causes intestinal issues bloating right I mean uh, uh, you know uh, protein farts are the worst <laughs> right um, so I you know my opinion is is that I mean if you can't afford it right I understand the cost it, it maybe fits better in some people's budgets but the isolates and you know hydroly- uh, hydrolyzed isolate and and whatnot is is so much better uh, better quality but but again right with every step there it's more and more processed, more and more processed. so i'm a big advocate of avoiding processed foods so whole foods always uh king at the end of the day um glutamine glutamine's a big a big one in the bodybuilding world that a lot of people supplement because it promises a lot of uh, a lot of benefits in uh, recovery, growth hormone production, some other things. Atlas.
1: Yeah, sorry. I was like racking my brain trying to remember what that is. I passed.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah, glutamine's uh, it's kind of a conditionally essential
0: amino acid. Um, John. And that is one that I take. So it's, it's like most of my <laughs> mind that I would say it's a pocket treasure. It's like... I don't know. It I I probably get more out of that than like the glucosamine. We're doing glutamine right now. Glutamine. Yeah. yeah. I okay. I don't know. I it's one of those things that I just do out of habit and it's if you get the bulk supplement bags, it's reasonably right. priced. <laughs> just like the raw powder. So I'm I'm kind of again
2: um I don't think it's necessary to uh, supplement it. Your body typically, most people, the vast majority of people, bodies produce enough of it. Um, if you're using um, a whey protein shake, typically that's supplemented uh, or fortified with glutamine, so you're getting more there. Um, there's lots of glutamine in dairy products, um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely on the, on the trash side of that one as well, just because it's something that's not necessary if you, uh, just because your body produces enough of it anyway, um, from the aminos that that you're getting from animal products and it's also again fortified in in protein powders So most likely you don't need more of it. So save your money, John. Okay, that,
0: that's <laughs> really the whole point of this thing. Is just for Darren to shame me about the supplements. It doesn't oh, well, it's
2: just to shame John at the end of the day.
0: <laughs> it's just to be like, look, everyone's stronger than you, and they're using less supplements.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's a hidden lesson in here, I guess. Uh, I'm going to skip this one because uh, just based on what we've already talked about, Atlas you probably don't know this one either. Um, but uh the sixth one i've got on my list is really pretty well known um melatonin or other sleep supplements
1: i'm gonna say trash i've tried it and made me feel really weird and groggy but on you know if it works for someone if that's what gets you to sleep and it actually works for you then i guess it would be a treasure i personally didn't have a good experience with it okay
0: john I would say that I have that same groggy feeling of like, I don't know if the sleep's better because I feel more tired for the first like two or three hours of waking up. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd much rather feel more awake in the morning than like, I don't know, sleep deeper. So I I, sure. I have mixed feelings about it. So sure. trash. Okay.
2: I'm I'm just like contrary to everybody today So I'm gonna I'm gonna say treasure to this one, <laughs> um, and really the reason I'm gonna say treasure is just it's more anecdotal. Um, I've been tracking my sleep with um, you know I've got a Fitbit. A lot of people use like Whoop's or Apple Watches. My Fitbit actually shows me that my sleep quality improves when I take a sleep supplement, and when I'm not, you know I'd rather not take anything. Of course, natural sleep, in in my opinion, would be much much better. But I've actually found that uh, melatonin and other sleep supplements actually help me get better quality sleep, which is important, right, for restoration and recovery. Um, But I will say
0: that I do take my potassium and um, magnesium as kind of a sleep supplement. Like it's a decent enough amount that maybe so some sleep supplements, I'll say another pocket treasure.
2: Sure. And melatonin (laughs) may not be the one for everybody because I agree. I mean, there's been times where I've woke up and still felt pretty groggy after melatonin. Um, but, you know, in the same conversation, urge anybody to avoid using THC um, or alcohol as sleep uh, um, aids. THC, I've actually read at least one article based on research that THC can inhibit our uh, REM sleep and deep sleep, um, mm-hmm. as well as alcohol, but I think THC may be more so. So kind of a note on that, uh, people that are using um, some of those drugs to you to help them sleep. Maybe not the best choice. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Last one, uh probiotics.
1: So that's got help. Whoa. So I mean I that's I mean that's a big one that covers a lot. I mean I think generally speaking, like fermented foods, probiotics, I mean it's supposed to be good, right? But I mean does that mean every like every probiotic capsule you take is necessarily equally good or, you know, it, it seems like it covers a wide wide range from like, you know, sauerkraut, kombucha to like some sort of capsules and whatnot. But sure. generally, yeah, it sounds like I mean, everything I understand is that it's good.
0: Yeah,
2: okay.
1: So you can't you're say favorite. I've noticed a difference myself, but it, I supposedly okay. it's good.
0: Yeah, John? Yeah, I agree that I think gut health is super important and it's probably one of the more neglected areas of supplementation for many people probably like you'd be better off like establishing good sleep, healthy gut health before maybe doing some other things or getting other supplements in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so from
2: the supplement perspective, uh, I did a little research today and it turns out that, you know, all those things that are sold in the powders and the capsules, right? Those are microorganisms, the bacteria. But it turns out that the vast majority of them are dead by the time you take them, <laughs> right? They need to, to be kept in a specific kind of environment to survive. So the probiotic supplements, I would be very careful in what I purchase. I think there's probably some good, like li- if you can get live cultures, um, you're probably better off eating fermented foods, sauerkraut, kombucha, kimchi, yogurt, etc. cetera. So uh, I'm gonna go with trash on, on probiotics as a supplement. But you certainly should be eating um, good foods that are full. So that's it. That was my seven. We actually got done under 20 minutes today. <laughs> it's the power that's of a, ignorance. know anything. <laughs> yeah. So, you got some questions for, for Alice, don't you, John? Can yeah.
0: Can you kick us off? Yeah, I can kick us off. Um, for one, I was impressed that after we talked about doing an interview, you published your most. I would say controversial piece that calf growth is indeed possible. All right. All right. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, that's controversial. I've read a lot of things <laughs> on this page and seen a lot of lives. Yeah. And I was like, that one's a hard one.
1: Yeah, uh, how's the take been on that? Um, Dude, it's funny. Everybody has their own like unique anecdote about like how they, <laughs> it's like a lot of them are funny. Like, oh, I, I walked, uh, you know, I, I gain weight, walk a certain distance. I stand on, I stand on my heels for, or on my toes for a, you know, a minute and a half every single day. Like just all these like arcane esoteric rituals and everyone's got something different. Like, you know, my, my granddad had amazing cabs and he, you know, I don't know, walked carried water bucks. Everyone's got their own little story for how calves were developed. No two people say the same thing, but <laughs> it's, it's funny. Um, Yeah. I mean, calves are weird. A lot of people have trouble developing them. Mine's Calvary. still kind of stuck, Calvary but at least mystery the mystery muscle. What's that? <laughs> I
2: said calves are the mystery muscle. You can yeah, you can train calves every day for twenty years and the guy that hasn't seen a gym in twenty years will have better calves than you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It seems like getting fat is the secret. I mean, that's what a lot of people say. And it's it, I've gone up to two hundred and fifty pounds pretty chubby and that didn't work for me, but I guess it works for some people. Yeah. Maybe the, the, the secret
2: is, is just to be fat and lazy. If you want to have great calves, just be fat and lazy. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> or walk no. around in high heels all day. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the other secret.
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll let someone try that. Yeah.
0: No, I think though, good point you made too, though, of like that ankle mobility, I think transfers probably to like helping overall lifts in general. And stuff because at least for me, I know ankle mobility is something I kind of struggle with, and it's not something that like you're mm-hmm. going to naturally train with other things, depending on how you
1: do. Right. I'm at there's... least doing better deep squats, even if I even if my calves don't grow anymore. At least my deep squats are getting a little bit better. So there's there's that.
0: Yeah. So there's no real like losses over that. Can you squat right. deeper? I seen your ATG. I mean, your your ass is on your ankles, man.
2: Can you squat? Deeper. I mean. <laughs>
1: It all depends. Like, I have to use um, – for back squats to get quite there, with it being at all decent and workable, I have to use a little bit of heel elevation. I'll just put my heels on a 10-pound plate. But I, I like to use, like, goblet squats for really deep squatting. It's I have pretty long legs, so I just have to some compensate for that in some way. But um, it's, it's getting a little better.
2: That's, I mean, that's tough. Like, I've never actually been able to fully squat that deep because of ankle. Typically because of ankle mobility uh, lack of mobility in my ankles. That's impressive.
1: Yeah. It, it, mine, mine was terrible and I've had to work on it a lot. I think it's, I think it's getting better. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean, it looks
0: like it is, especially cause you never use lifters. You're always using the same barefoot toe shoes.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I had a pair back in the day and right when I moved to Los Angeles, my car got broken into and they stole my $200 lifting shoes and that was my welcome to LA. So mm-hmm. I just never bought a pair. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Since, uh, so I'm That's just
1: like the know. original barefoot
2: shoe? You just had them for all these years?
1: Oh no, no, i would I I started doing that fairly recently, a couple of years ago. I I was just um I was on vacation in Hawaii and I was just wearing water shoes because I didn't know I thought I was going to probably have to go in the water. You know, you're out for the day, you don't know what you're going to encounter, and I started hiking in the water shoes, and I'm like, man, this is fun. I like the feel of this, and then I started doing the barefoot thing. Nice.
0: Yeah.
2: It definitely seems to help with the um the leg pressing or the I don't know what do you what do you call that? Like laying on your back with the barbell. I mean that looks like a tough challenge just to get in that position. <laughs> Let alone it
1: is. balancing yeah. the bar on your feet. I mean for me it is. Um yeah, it's just a barbell leg press. That's that's the original way they used to do it. You know, Arthur Saxon did it, uh Herman Gorner, um a lo- you know, a lot of the old timers before they invented the actual machine that's how they actually did it now in a lot of cases i mean some of them would load it on their on their own feet in a lot of cases they'd use a spotter so they could use just much heavier weights like a lot of these a lot of the old time strongmen were doing you know well over 500 i think gorner i don't know how how deep of a range of motion i believe gorner did over a thousand pounds with maybe i think with a board with people sitting on it i don't know what the range of motion was like on that but you know still a you know a board balance on his legs not a um you know, not a, not a machine or anything. Right. Uh, They all seem to like it pretty well.
2: Nice. So you're, so you're kind of a student of old school strongman.
1: Yeah. That's, that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. I mean, some things are made up, some things I copy from modern people. I'm a little bit less, I mean, I'm a little bit less of a pure historian than someone who just thinks, Hey, these guys actually had some really good, um, you know, knowledge that I can apply to myself. I'm, I'm not trying to just, you know, be a, I don't know, what, what, like a civil war reenact or anything. As much as I think that they actually do some things, that I'm trying to, you know, get a little bit of that and you know apply it to myself. Sure. But a lot of it, know, it is just a fun challenge. I mean, let's let's be real. It's fun. It's a, you know, it's a lot more fun to leg press on a barbell than it is on on a um, you know, on a machine. That but it, sure. it also honestly does have, you know, it feels different. It's it does a lot more. I think like. I just never got anything out of machine leg presses. It just seemed like an inferior squat. Like, you're kind of doing the same things as squat, but worse in every way, basically. And while I would I would never tell someone, you know, stop squatting and just make barbell leg press the only thing you do, it has some unique advantages. And, like, there's actually a reason to do it as opposed to machine, which is, just like, kind of like an inferior option to the squat. You sure. you, you feel... So you feel a lot of stabilizer muscles kicking in that you don't feel on um, really anything else because you're not using your legs in that way on right. most any other exercise. It's, it kind of works the hip flexors in conjunction with the quads, which is a pretty cool feeling. Um, and, and like you said, it requires a lot of mobility to get in there. It stretches you pretty well, maybe better than a squat because in a squat, there's a lot of ways you can compensate, but lying right. flat on your back. If you want a you know, good hip opener, just uh, stretch your hips out you know, your back's got nowhere to go. The only, the only way the, uh, you know, the bar can push is down down into that stretch. So it is, I think it is good for developing that uh, in-range strength there, at least if you're inflexible like me. I mean, some folks will get under the bar, no problem. But for me, it's been helpful.
2: I don't know if I could, I might try that sometime. But, but I mean, yeah, I can see the advantage over the machine. I mean, most of your machines are, you know, in like a 45 degree angle or even less at 45 degrees, you only have 70% of the weight uh, that's Mm -hmm. loaded. Right, you only get that much of the uh, the weight on your feet. Where you know, obviously, this is a hundred percent of the bar weight, so certainly more significant. And yeah, I mean, machines take so much of the stabilizer muscles out. I mean, your posterior chain is pretty secure, right? Your core secure. Mm-hmm. It's more of a isolation movement. So those yeah. are awesome. I'm gonna it, have to, I'm gonna have to try and see if I'm flexible enough to, to actually
1: yeah, get. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably not for everyone. And, and if you're not, you can always, you know, get, set it up out of a power rack. I haven't tried that, but I've seen some people try it with some success, just setting it up out of, a I think, you know, or having spotters load the bar. A lot of folks do that, but not a lot. Like, very, very few people. But, I mean, relatively speaking. But, yeah. Yeah, I will
2: probably yeah. take the safe route and, and do it with my safeties. <laughs> my squad <laughs> rack, at least the first time. <laughs> but I don't... Smash yeah. my skull open with barbelling off
0: my tits. <laughs> yeah, I've liked those—the cheap leg presses you can get, where it's just like right above you, where you're on your back. I always felt like those felt slightly better than like the incline one
1: you have at the gym.
0: Yeah, it's like I mean, to slightly, be slightly. Yeah.
1: To be honest, well, I it looks a little bit creepy. I don't like the fact that you can't bail out. People look at the barbell and think it's scary, but it's so easy to dump a barbell off of you. I mean, if you can just basically do a calf raise with whatever weight you're using, you can make it go forward. Whereas, I mean, a machine coming down on you, there's no way to there's no way to dump the machine off of you if you if um, something goes wrong. And I mean, you do see all those uh, videos of people snapping their legs back. I mean, granted, I'm sure they were doing something stupid, but machines actually creep me out a little. Not all machines, but the leg press machine can be a little bit creepy at times.
0: Yeah, it's 100% not something that I'm not putting actual like any serious weight on because that's yeah. also the thing, like watching people do that with like tons and tons of plates and you're like, that's that's a lot, especially that top loaded one. I've seen, I think the most I've ever seen someone put like 10 plates above themselves and it's like that just, just seems look- like a lot of like... Yeah, it's scary. I, I'm not <laughs> All a big fan of the work that you get out of that is
2: loading and unloading the machine.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know so, about that. Yeah. The interesting thing I was thinking is when I first started following you or seeing yourself, like a little over a year and a half, maybe, yeah. You were doing all this stuff because at least in LA, like the COVID restrictions were pretty strict. So is that the main reason you started doing the parking lot lifting or was there other yeah, stuff that, behind it? No,
1: that well, that, was, it that was why I started. That was why I started because... Yeah. I mean, the gyms were shut down. Hell, they even shut down the beaches, the, the hiking trails, they shut down everything. It was kind of insane. I actually, I don't want to get you guys canceled, so I'm not going to even say anything more, but we're yeah. Not it, it yet. So go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, you can go ahead. It was hard to imagine how people would possibly contract an infectious disease with some of the things that they shut down, like really swimming in the ocean out, you know, it doesn't make sense, but um. Whatever. Anyway, yeah, they shut. That's why I initially started. But that was also around the same time I had my first kid. So um, once I found out that I could make this work and I actually liked it and things were you know, going really well, it just made a lot more sense for me to save drive time um, and just not go to the gym. Because, I mean, I pretty much try to fit my major workouts in on her. Well, now I have two on um, hopefully they, they nap at the same time. And I can fit my workouts in on their nap schedule. So fifteen minutes to get to the gym is something I can't really afford. Or at least it's not it's not worth those fifteen minutes to have more equipment. I'd I'd rather just do you know, do more with what I have and um, yeah, I mean I actually I wouldn't mind going back to a you know, a good gym someday. I used to go to Gold's Venice, which has a lot of good stuff kind of miss it sometimes i would like to have you know a full rack of dumbbells full rack of kettlebells um that would definitely open up my options somewhat i don't care about the i don't need the racks that much i'm i'm actually good on that but the the dumbbells and especially kettlebells because you know i've I've seen a lot of really cool stuff the old timers used to do with them and just a lot of people i follow on social media that do really cool stuff with kettlebells i mean a lot of the the kettlebell sport athletes are you know underrated monsters you know um Some of those guys so are like ridiculous
2: amounts of weight with one arm. I mean, yeah, I mean, 150 kilos in one dumbbell. I mean, just the grip on something like that to clean it is, mm. is absolutely insane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. These guys are I mean, a lot of people see kettlebells and they think like some kind of lightweight little circuit that people do. But the, the serious guys that they work out with kettlebells, they're beasts. They're monsters.
0: And it taxes everything, especially like Eric Guggenhagen has the big, like 150 pound kettlebell, like the handle's big. So it's like that instability and everything. But yeah, I think especially, yeah, being in LA, of, I mean, even at the beginning of last year when we went out to LA, they still had like plenty of COVID restrictions. So mm-hmm. I think, I guess that's the thing that piqued a lot of people's interest about you is the fact that like, you're doing this outside, you're still staying active because that's the thing. I mean, yeah. like you said, you don't want to get canceled, but a part of it was like, wait, so you can't, you're less likely to get it on an airplane, but you shouldn't go to the beach or to the park or outside, like avoid yeah. sunlight. You're like,
2: hmm.
1: It, interesting. It's interesting. So badly, man. It's scary,
2: man. It's what happens.
1: Yeah. But yeah. I mean, that was, it was honestly a really good thing for me, though, because. Like, I, I kind of knew about all this history in the back of my head. I, I tried some things before. I, I tried some one-hand deadlifts, some Zercher squats, but I'd never taken any of it really seriously. I just kind of knew where it was. So when this happened, all suddenly all I have is a barbell and a fairly limited amount of weight to train with. It kind of forced me to start looking this stuff up and actually learn some of it. And then I realized, oh, wow, this stuff is actually really helping. I'm you know, making progress in different areas. This is actually working. Like Just a lot of stuff maybe I'd read about, but... Had never actually tried to implement. I actually started trying and yeah, it worked out really well, surprisingly.
0: Yeah. I think that you makes know,
1: a big difference.
0: Do you train with anybody or
1: is it all exclusively just solo training? I mean, it's all just solo. I mean, I've, yeah, I kind of train with my wife occasionally, but mostly it's, you know, I babysit the kids while she trains and then she babysits the kids while I train. So pretty much it's just me. That's That's, yeah. And, and, so,
2: no, you know, I know you talked about going back to the gym, but, you know, one of the, I, I mean, we all kind of ended up in the same boat, right, in 2020, um, I think, for the most part, I've been just training alone for a while there. And, and I mean, the equipment wasn't what I wanted to get back to. It's, it's to be back around people. I didn't even need anybody to, like, help me. Just being around people sometimes is, is so beneficial to, like, my state of mind. Um, mm. And, and. I'm a very competitive person too. I'm not the guy that's gonna go like see somebody squatting, you know, three plates and go and feel like I have to throw, you know, two more on and do a half squat and dump the bar. But <laughs> mm-hmm. but I do get really competitive when I'm around people. I just feel like I get those energy and I just push myself harder, right? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. There 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 is that. I, I think I, I think I just have to kind of fill right now I'm kind of filling that void with social media. I mean I've never been I've always been happy to do things alone, but yeah, I, I like that competitive environment. It, I, I do kind of miss, I mean, I was in a way I kind of walked around with a chip on my shoulder. Cause I'm in this, you know, bodybuilding gym with a bunch of, um, you know, with a bunch of big, uh, you know, big guys that are on God knows what, you know, and Everything. I'm trying to compete with them a little bit. Yeah. That wasn't necessarily the best mentality, but I, I had some people I talked to that were, you know, that were cool. The guys you know, who, who did more, you know, I guess athletic type stuff, not that I'm bashing bodybuilding or anything, just. Right. Actually, well, I mean, a, there's,
2: a of that. there's a truth there. We kind of covered some of that in our, in a couple episodes ago. So, uh, I mean, the drug abuse is, is rampant in some of these sports and um, and it gets, it gets almost beyond abuse sometimes in bodybuilding, unfortunately. And I think even yeah. in powerlifting, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. So, I mean. It is tough to compete and, and compare yourself when you're a natural lifter to, to, to those guys. That are, you know, always the best thing is to just not it compare them to something. I mean, it, it worked
1: <laughs> for me. I, I made it work because I I would just like my thing was I'm okay. Well, I'm going to show them that I'm the hardest working person in the room, which was maybe kind of worked. You know, there's a um, when when Mike O'Hearn got to talking a lot of trash um, on the podcast with Mark Bell a while ago. I happen to have an old footage saved up of me doing like I think I was doing like 25 rep squats just like you know breathing squats heavy yelling at the end of it while he's just sitting around on the um on the leg extension machine in the background of that video it was, it was pretty cool and I was like okay you, you you really want to say that that you know we're all smaller than you because none of us are working hard okay watch this you know so that yeah. that was that was nice to have on hand um and so it kind of motivated me, but I'm kind of a negative person in, in some respects. I'm, I'm positive in some respects, but I can, I can, I can use either fuel, you know, like I, I'm what do they call it? Metabolic flexibility. I guess I'm I guess I'm motivationally flexible. I can I can have negative or you know, positive motivations, but ultimately what I'm, you know. Using social media to find people that are like minded or maybe even just in different areas that, that dovetail, that, that's a lot more of a positive thing. I mean, I'm finding so much um, in common with people that are doing like wildly different stuff, like calisthenics, just mobility, the freaks that can, you know, bend all their joints all which away and and all that. But yeah, you know, it, it's cool to find um, you know common ground with people in different, in you know, somewhat different spaces, and um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's a better thing than just trying to. Uh, I'm gonna do more, you know, really high rep squats and be the loudest guy in the gym, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's good, especially it's interesting when you talk about community because I think one thing is I work remote as a software engineer, so that community, for a while, they'd feel pretty lonely not being around people, mm-hmm. but I think shifting that and realizing that there is a lot of value through online community, at least for me, it's been nice to like, still keep in contact with people, and oftentimes you end up having being able to still have those discussions and being able to like. Talk and interchange is interesting because so many people. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is now it's the idea of so many companies are like, oh, you need to come back to the office. Like, that's how you really talk to people. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel like my conversations were actually any more genuine or authentic in person. Oftentimes I have better conversations with people because we can actually talk privately and you're not like cubicle to cubicle mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that. So I think that's been interesting. What I was gonna ask is. How has that changed, has that changed how you train or approach things now that, I mean, you have a decent amount of people following you. You've gone from like a few thousand to now like 40-some thousand people. Has that changed at all, your approach to things?
1: Um, not, I mean, obviously I do some fun stuff for reels, you know, I'll, I'll try to put out some some fun things for reels, but I mean, honestly, I was kind of doing some of that anyway, and at this point, I'm not actually getting much of any engagement boost from doing big, crazy, showy lifts for, for the, um, you know, for like a, you know, a reel. That doesn't usually play that well. I think just the way the algorithm is working right now, I'm actually, just my my essay posts are honestly, you know, where I'll just do, a you know, 10, 10 uh, screens of text. They're honestly getting more reach than like five seconds of me doing some kind of a wacky lift, so... Um, not, not a whole lot. And I've, even before that, I've, you know, I was trying to like show the lifts that I do in training. I mean, obviously I'll do like a fun stuff, you know, a fun little stunt here and there. I mean, kind of just like, uh, like Mark was saying on the last podcast, you know, it's kind of a fun way to test and demonstrate, but you know, I think there's real value in a lot of these lifts and I'm trying to show them in training. So you know, people will, you know, if people are following me, they'll see me doing the same things over and over again, you know, for, you know, a cycle until they, um, you know, that that movement gets taken out of rotation because it's gone stale. <clears throat> um, so, I'm, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing this. I'm training in a way that I think it's going to hopefully give me long-term results, not necessarily exactly what's going to, um, you know, what's going to play best on Instagram because like, just as far as the algorithm, like one rep maxes, that's what you want to do for the algorithm because Instagram hates long videos. And especially when I'm bulking, you know, trying to put on some muscle, I I don't like to do that. I tend to want to go considerably higher rep because I think that's what's going to give me more reliable progress. It's going to ultimately lead to gains, you know, over time. So even though I, you know, would a video do better if I was just focusing on one rep maxes? Sure. But I'm still going to, I'm, gonna try to play it a little bit more long-term and also just, you know, show how these things can actually be used in practice, not just, you know, here's a showy stunt to demonstrate how strong I currently am, but let's, let's see what we can do in the future. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, uh, I guess that's, that's where me, that's where Mark and I kind of differ a little bit because um, I guess maybe our, our lift, our lift style is a little bit different. A lot of his are just absolutely off the wall like i mean he'll he'll lift a crazy amount of weight for a pun this guy you, you just see this guy do a dumbbell bench press like like my brother in christ you really you really put all those plates on that bench and then you lay on a dump on dumbbells and for a pun but he does you know <laughs> that's crazy. can you imagine that just like pressing into your back and you would just Watch. Yeah. Uh,
0: watching him get set up when he's when he announced it and you saw the weights on the bench i was like there's no way that like because i mean he's six foot five and it's just two dumbbells yeah like. there's no way that's going to be comfortable darren sent me that video and he was like this guy is absolutely insane it's funny that that was like one of his crazier videos like in the
1: context of, like, the
2: thoracic yeah. mobility he gained from that
1: <laughs> but the craziest thing is um do you guys follow lucy and crotor from romania no House, he's, yeah. yeah, he's one of the – he's probably the best at the old style of lifting right now. Big guy from Romania. Um, he's, he's really good at a lot of this stuff, but he's he's pretty competitive too. So as soon as Deadliest Lift does this, of course, he has to go in like one up and buy five pounds. And it wasn't even like he, he – you know, he mogged him by like 50 pounds. He just, he just made sure the record got to Romania. He, he I don't think he beat him by more than five pounds. We just – no, nope, Romania Romania's going to take this one. So Romania – has the um, dumbbell bench press. <laughs> world awesome. record. Well, you
2: never, you never want to beat records by a great amount, right? Because because then if you need to, if somebody can just barely get over that, then you had, you know, I mean, how do I say this? If you can beat it by 50 pounds, why beat it by 50 pounds? Do it by five, yeah. and if somebody else is gonna beat it, you know, maybe a little bit more, you leave yourself a lot of room to keep breaking world records in. Right. I mean, that's, that's always a net positive, I think, for, you know, exposure, but if you're like a legitimate athlete, though, too, right? That's where all the, the money's at.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's good. But, yeah. That's why,
2: why John yeah, that only beat the deadlift by one kilo, because he knows
1: next time he can beat it again
2: and make more money. Easy. Oh, uh, you know, I was wondering
1: about that. Because, like, come on, that's, like, one kilo? Okay, th- now that makes sense. I, I was wondering about that. It, it's, but, it's but yeah all for I mean, the
0: money. For the oh, it killed me because he was like, if I get 200,000 subscribers on like Twitch or something, I'm going to go for 520. And everyone was like, seeing how the weight moved, it's like, that could have been there. It and then he was just like, yet. nope, it's a boxing promo. <laughs> that boxing did make money like that. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, except for yeah, the was one. first
2: seven yeah. figure contract.
0: I mean, yeah. But I
2: mean, but he made money setting that record too because Wust paid him, right? World's Ultimate Strongman paid him. And now he's coming back in a strong strongman. Um, and I think there's no, probably very little question for anybody. I mean, his progress has already been insane, right? Um, if he gets back to his old self, I mean, he's going to exceed that probably easily
0: and make more money.
2: Yeah. And no That's one's smart. gotten
0: really close at this point. I mean, I watch a lot of people online, but at most people, it's either super soft lockouts once you pass that like 400 kilo mark or whatever, mm-hmm. it starts to get a bit shaky and everything I feel He's like Jamal Brown eventually and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everything but yeah I mean you and Mark definitely differ of like I mentioned it in the comments yeah. there's this I difference mean, of like meme lifting versus odd lifts that kind of there is like the Venn diagram they overlap a little bit yeah like, but it's a different form of like you I think the training you do of like the benefits of working multiple planes of motion in a way that Mm -hmm. many people don't always do with like the twist for like a one arm search or something like that. It's those compound movements are important because I think oftentimes people think that growth happens just from like, just like isolation exercises. But Mm -hmm. I think overall progress and trying to actually work your mobility while you're lifting, whereas some people they'll do these like, Elaborate stretching routines before and after, but then the mm-hmm. workout itself doesn't actually test that full
1: range of motion or the full
0: yeah. plane. Then, so it's always yeah. Interesting. I mean, I
1: think yeah. It seems like I mean, I mean, what I what I kind of see in the modern strength industry or strength industry, I that not even think whatever. Um, you know, I mean, you see, you see <laughs> a lot. Be of, a thing. Should be you know, a thing. the the strength industrial complex. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> People just try to use a, a limited selection of compounds and then just fill out, fill in everything with an ex, a, access. I can't even, every time I say accessories, accessories, it always sounds weird to me. Um, they, they try to use the accessories to fill in all the gaps and I just don't think that quite works as well. Maybe not necessarily always because that exercise is a bad exercise. Maybe you're just not taking it seriously. You know, because you already spend all your energy on heavy squats, bench, benches, or deadlifts, um, so you're not, you know, putting as much energy into it. And I mean, I do think I've come, I've, kind of, I've changed my mind a little bit on isolations. I think there's nothing inherently wrong with isolations, or they're always lesser. It's like what I try the distinction I make now is more like serious versus not serious, because if you take like a if you take like a heavy strict barbell curl, I mean that's technically an isolation exercise but it's i mean that's that's the heavy serious movement for your biceps you know i mean it's it's not like you're lifting a paperweight with mind over muscle connection if you're you know loading as much weight on the bar and trying to you know trying to you know barbell curl you know as heavy a weight as possible for you know the appropriate amount of reps you know 10 reps or whatever it's not like you're just trying to you know focus on the squeeze or anything that's a serious exercise so that That I think is fine, but then, you know, where you get in, you know, a lot of people trying to do some biomechanically optimal this or that with a paperweight, I think that's not going to, that's not going to compete with something like a bench press. So you have, you know, your pecs are getting built by your bench press, but, you know, everything behind it, you're trying to work with, you know yeah, some kind of mind-muscle connection and a paperweight, and that's not going to, it's not going to balance out. And I think... Joel Seedman's body weight, just like the fluttering or like the
0: intense movements he did.
1: mm -hmm. Oh, Oh God. God. That guy. Yeah. Joel Seedman, yeah, he's someone who he
0: gets the algorithm, like, or he gets engagement.
1: Just the worst. But it's all, it's all hate. I mean, he gets, I mean, he's (laughs) nobody, like, the thing about him is like, nobody even does any of his actions. you won't find anyone doing his stuff. It's just people. I mean, I think you see some people suck up to him because they are hoping they'll get featured or something, but no one actually takes the stuff anywhere else and does it, it. That's all just hate, you know? But that works for the algorithm too. The thing about him that annoys the, me is- the
2: first thing is bad publicity, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing that annoys me about him is a lot of his objectives are not necessarily bad. He just has to, because you know, I, I agree that there's, you know, there are more um, planes to train in. There are more, you know, there are more training objectives than just to get strong in the squat bench and deadlift or one rep max. Right. But the thing is there are so many better exercises that already exist. And I feel like he just needs to, he needs to have been the one to come up with anything that he uses. And if he didn't invent it, he can't use it. And there are just so many better ways to do all of the things that he's trying to do that already exists. You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but there's there's plenty of stuff out there, you know, stability, uh, different types of motion, it's all there.
2: Yeah, um, we were actually just talking about this uh, with Strongman too. Uh, always inventing new movements that don't need to be made, and and we've we've determined that it's the uh, as John puts it, can I put I put the uh, sound on sticker on on my videos recently, and John like you know, informed me is like, you know, that makes it look like you're you you don't trust your content. And I'm like, you know, that's not really where I was going with that, but I can see how that is. And and so we were talking about this. It's like when people go and start just inventing stuff, it's the it's the send sticker. Right? Like <laughs> look at yeah. sure, please look at this. Please watch this. Because it's <laughs> probably really I kind of don't have anything better to give you. Um and so the content's probably not that great to begin with. So that's why people I think why people do that they go to try to invent stuff that's just off the wall and crazy um, because maybe they don't trust the, the the old standards, they don't trust themselves or you know something along those lines.
1: Yeah, just if you have a problem, do some research and see if anybody else has ever come up with a solution to that problem, you know? I think with a lot of this, a lot of this kind of this biomechanical stuff, right? And I think, again, they, I think they have not necessarily always bad objectives. Um, you know, they, they may see that some of the, the way a lot of people train, which is extremely minimalist, just kind of without, without maybe intending to, they're basically being power lifters, except actually a lot of good power lifters actually put a lot more variety in their training, but, um, they're training like a, kind of like a, a power lifter if a power lifter was very lazy, essentially. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a need for more than that. But I think a lot of these biomechanical guys, they just look at the muscle and just just specifically how does that muscle move and then just very lazily just try to load whatever motion they're trying to um they're trying to get they just okay just move the muscle and then let's just load it the easiest way possible in that motion instead of kind of looking at the big picture of the exercise how well does that exercise work as an exercise not just do exactly what we're going for but does it work that muscle or pattern or what have you and is it something that's loadable progressable uh, does it have you know, is it something that just work, is something that works well as an exercise, not just, how, well, let's just throw some load on this particular movement pattern, if that makes any sense, you know?
0: Yeah, I think people oftentimes there is that need to just kind of, like you said, reinvent the wheel of getting clicks of like, I think why some of those things probably can be irritating is because like, um, Darren had a really good post recently or said something that was interesting that he was like watered down truth is basically, just bullshit of like if you take these like good ideas, but then you just add this like weird garbage, like you mm-hmm. can't take away from that. Of like, you had the great yeah. post and just sent it to Darren of like talking about liver king of these people who have like, yes, seemingly good objectives, and like you have like that 40% of information or so, like depends on this thing, might be good, but then you mm-hmm. just have weird stuff that just discredits what's actually good, yes, so people yeah. the
1: baby. With the that's math. the perfect way that that's a really good quote and that, that describes him perfectly.
2: Like, yeah, just, more appropriately, what I was getting at, I mean, is, is that um you know, people cherry pick a lot of times too, right? They go they cherry pick and they quote science and then they cherry pick for absolutes to back up or justify, you know, the means or their message. Which is <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> that's where I'm going like there might be like an inkling of truth behind what you're saying you turned it into this like absolute like monstrosity mm. that's just
0: total bullshit like we didn't yeah. need to even hear that because it was worthless <laughs> yeah so i think that's that's an interesting thing that just that idea i think the biggest point is i think that's interesting is to look back of like darren was saying with the strongman they're always trying to like make the events crazier but like not do things that are actually crazy Everything I think well, people they're doing kind of think different. Yeah. Okay. So it just like right. looks I, different. I, I mean, it's at the like...
2: end of the day, like the movement and everything of like the, the, the physiology of what they're doing is like exactly the same. The mechanics are the same, but they've just like they created this monstrosity of a of an implement mm-hmm. that just like completely took away from what like when you watch that video uh, of this. Uh, I mean, it looks like a Ukrainian deadlift, right? In Australia. Um, you can't even like it completely detracts from what the the athlete. The, the implement is this monstrosity. Your attention is on yeah. that, not the athlete. Yeah. Right, and what was the point? You could have done that with two boxes and a fucking loading pin, right? Yeah. And, and have the attention on the on the athlete, you know, his performance. Um. So I mean, yeah, it's just it's kind of just more bullshit at the end of the day. Like it was yeah. meaningless.
0: We're not.
1: Yeah. With I mean, that's my. Mean. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that is, that is kind of, it does seem like, yeah, it's just, it, There's it's a very implement focus, which kind of puts a barrier to entry for a lot of people that might be otherwise interested in, you know, competing in strongman, but, you, yeah, how you, you know, you got to practice. With it. But, um, I mean, they, they did the same stuff back in the day, too. They, they would come up with all these just gigantic implements to allow, you know, the lifter to lift in huge amounts of weight, but. I don't know. I've never really that never appealed to me as much as just what they would do with a simple barbell.
2: Right, I mean, it's circus strongman. It's circus strongman style stuff, right? And yeah. you know, you look back in the old days, and there's a lot of numbers that are very impressive that are recorded but unverifiable, also, right? Um, and it kind of follows just, a similar. Varying, a similar
1: there's, I think, there's varying standards of evidence. Um, I think one of the best uh, sources on that. Was it called the Super Athletes by David Willoughby? I just it it, it's not just about weightlifting. It's got a ton of old of old records in various athletic sports, but um, it's got more you know more records than lifts than lifts that I've ever heard of. You know, but right. What's cool about it is it has it has kind of the level of verification. And obviously there were no videos. But are are we talking about like this is something a guy allegedly did in front in front of his friends? Is this is this claim? you know, his claim lift or is this something that was done in front of accredited officials on, you know, weighed weights. Obviously they weren't, I'm sure they didn't, they weren't measuring anything to the degree of like calibrated plates we use today, but you you, kind of do deep dives into the books and stuff um, from that era. And you definitely see that there are varying standards of, of uh, credibility. And I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, claim lifts from that period that I would say are. Probably fairly credible, just to you know, to a measurement error. Error, if you know, maybe um, it wouldn't have been quite the same on today's kilo plates, but we we can be pretty sure that it more or less happened, just because you know there were a lot of neutral observers, like accredited judges and you know their their federations and whatnot. And you know, we, when setting world records, these these folks did have, um, you know, they they took a lot of the same measures that we do. They just didn't have video. Um, so some of the, some of these records are fairly I think fairly trustworthy and others not so much but I think some of the most impressive ones are fairly trustworthy uh, like you know, for example one one that gets thrown around a lot is you know Herman Gorner's one hand deadlift um, he he may have done as much as 727 one-handed which isn't as crazy as it sounds because I, I, mean, I think he deadlifted over over 800 with two hands and a good one hand deadlifter will actually be able to come pretty close to their, um, you know, to their two hand deadlift. But anyway, so we, uh, 727, there's some debate over, uh, what sort of implement that was on. Uh, there's some possibility that, you know, they haven't, you know, they didn't record the implement correctly, but we have on record, I think it's, you know, in front of judges, um, I think fairly reliably he did pull 660 one handed on a revolving barbell. So even if he didn't do seven twenty seven, that's that's kind of apocryphal. But six sixty with one hand deadlift that's that's fairly that's fairly good, you know. So I, I'm we can confidently say that you know that's a that's a pretty solid lift, and he was doing some pretty cool stuff out there. Um,
2: well, you know, and so they, there's, there's evidence today too. I think in some regards, like. If you look at Basque stone lifting, um, which mm. is still kind of underground. Yeah. Um, well, I think Martinez was just in, in in the Basque region uh, recently doing something. He did what, 200 kilograms? And, he, and it was hard for him. And this is a shouldering weight, is a pretty standard event in Strongman. Mm-hmm. The world record for Basque stone lifting is 329 kilograms <laughs> to the shoulder. Uh, so, yeah. so, so, I mean, there's freaks out there doing incredible, incredible feats of strength. And, you know, I mean, uh, and the likelihood of them being completely natural, just corn-fed farm boys, right, is very real. And I mean, even Paul Anderson was, was doing yeah. incredible things in the Olympics pre, pre-steroids. pre um, yeah. so, so we know it's possible for people like that to exist, to have existed and still exist today, doing just incredible, incredible
1: feature. I mean a lot of it's just familiarity with how it works. I mean like a lot of the stuff seems really like you know the one hand deadlift seemed pretty crazy to most people but you know when you have tried it a while you realize you know it's well yes it requires a lot of tendon strength. It's not actually quite what people think it is. Another great example is the bent press. Have you guys seen the bent press? Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, the one where you where you bend under it's a one-hand lift where you're bending under the weight and instead of lifting it you're somehow managing to bend under it and basically do a one arm either windmill or overhead squat. It's... Yeah, there's there's some amazing clip you know, from a local yeah. show here in Texas.
0: Some guy he did he was like a lightweight and they didn't have enough people in his category so he had to go up a weight class mm-hmm. and he's just like a he's like maybe like Less than two hundred pounds and he has a two hundred twenty pound dumbbell and he actually just bends over and then gets under it and presses it up and stood up and he was able to get a rep with it. Yeah. Everyone is blown away. Like
1: it's it's just great. Supposedly yeah, I mean from some of the old books I'm reading, it was supposed to be a standard that if you trained at it for a couple of years, you're supposed to be able to do your own body weight, no problem. You know, that and that seems crazy to people today. It seems crazy to me because I've been practicing it and it's really hard, but yeah. if you have the mobility, you can do even more than that. I mean, the record is, w- I think Arthur Saxon did um, 370 fairly, uh, and that's another fairly well-documented one that I think we can we can agree that he actually did. And if, if you know, a couple other people did well over 300. So you, you've got a guy who's quite a few guys that aren't much over 200 pounds doing well over 300 pounds overhead with one hand. And that it seems crazy, but, you know, apparently, when once you're good at the technique, it's not quite so outlandish. But, right. you know, Wait, it's, I mean, a, apparently it's all about the technique. its I mean, it's the dumbbell world record is
2: uh, um, Koskowski said the what, 3.30, John?
0: Yeah, it was, which it was up the, there. Like which is a claim to the, the shoulder
2: here. and push press. I mean, yeah. He's, yeah. not, he's not uh, overhead pressing um, 660, right? 300 kilos <laughs> with two no, hands. No. So, so, one hand, I mean, is yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Once you get that technique dialed in, uh, it's incredible what people can do. I mean, even weightlifters, um, what's Lasha's record right now? 590, 587, yeah, 500, almost, something 600. like that. And I mean, the way he moves that is, is insane. And comparatively, you know, you got strongmen that are just barely. Breaking 500 now. You've got weightlifters. I mean, granted, logs and axles are, you know, present different challenges, especially to the mm-hmm. cleaning portion. But, um, yeah, uh, the the difference in overhead uh, capabilities when technique is, is factored in is incredible, incredible.
1: I'd be curious to see what modern strongmen could do if they actually started working on some of these techniques. I mean. It's, 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 you know, if you see a really big, you see a really big guy that's got really good mobility though. Cause I mean, some, you know, some strongmen have great mobility. If you, if you get a really big guy learning this technique, I mean, imagine what, what kind of weights could be put up. It would be, I mean, it wouldn't, if, if a 205 pound guy can lift three seventy I mean, what, what could a, you know, 250 pound guy with a ton yeah. of mobility do that. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be really impressive. Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah. we've had guys. Uh, I mean, Olympic lifters in the past. I mean, uh, Misha Kuklayev, um, Ramensburg Bergmanis were both Olympic. I think it was Raymonds I think he's was the one, uh, both Olympic lifters, and and they would split jerk log once in a while. Um, he's got a few guys that split jerk these days, but I think the the kind of the common um, deterrent, maybe I don't I don't know. It's just like the mindset is that it's so difficult that people just kind of. Never trained, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. If, if more of the big, powerful, overhead pressers would train that split jerk, they very may, well, uh, get closer to the Olympic uh, standards uh, for you know open class.
1: And I think. Did that... you see me? Uh, did you see have try to try to break the one arm snatch world record? I think it was a couple um, was years ago. Yeah, it was several years ago. I think he had 2.25, right? 230. Yeah. He, 231. Yeah. The, uh, the world record was held by a Frenchman whose name I'm going to butcher every time. David Rigolo or Rigolette. It looks like Rigolette, but I think it's Rigolo because it's French. I think what, like 253? I, oh, I think really? he Is it that much. Yeah. 253. And I, I think he weighed probably not more than 220 at the time. Um, oh, he appeared. We've got video of him snatch of him doing the technique just with a lighter weight for demonstration. You know, it's an old grainy black and white video, but you can just see just how lightning fast he moves. He just, you know, he just pulls it up and then just dips into kind of a halfway cross between a a uh, uh, one hand overhead squat and a windmill. He kind of bends down to the side and just, but it's just you can see he's he's probably not pulling it up. It's 253 pounds so it's it's a lot of weight for one hand that's but he's probably not fun. pulling it up yeah. just incredibly high just just dipping under right. a boot, just super quickly and you know that that's allowing a you know a um, a 220 pound guy to set a world record that it's not going to get that hasn't gotten uh, beaten for you know I think over a hundred years now and even a much bigger guy is you know struggling it's to incredible. try to beat so it's incredible even yeah but I've tried the one-hand
2: yeah. squat, and like I don't have the mobility, no, <laughs> so mean I, like yeah. I have to pull no the way. bar all the way over my head in order to get under it. <laughs> yeah, what,
1: that's the mobility. What I do is I is I split, yeah, I, I split that stuff. I can't do I can't do the uh, one-arm overhead squats, and that's not nearly as efficient. But you know, it's still fun.
2: Yeah, I love, love one-arm snatching. That's like one of my favorite
0: movements. That's the it's thing. Perfect. We keep yeah. talking about these cool things and like every strongman competition, they're trying to like reinvent the wheel and have huge implements. It's like, these are the fun yeah, events.
1: Like this is what we really need to see. Yeah. Why not do stuff like that? One, one hand snatch would be so cool or one hand deadlift. I I mean, you, there's that, that yeah. iconic picture of uh, John Paul Sigmerson doing one hand deadlift. That Well, right. I know why they don't do it anymore. And probably there, there'd be injuries probably, but it's, there's there's various.
2: It's I mean, there's there's things where they've done like one hand, like farmers holds in the front, and I mean it's kind of variations that come and go. I mean every promoter has a different concept of what, you know, what the show should be and what events there's going to be and what variations. I mean there's a million combinations. Really, at the end of the day, in strongman, so it's probably
0: been somewhere.
1: The only That's thing true. that they don't do is sumo. <laughs> well, yeah, as it should be. No one should do sumo.
0: Apparently, <laughs> Clash is doing sumo. Everyone's like training yeah. something. Yeah.
1: And, so that's,
0: and some people say that it's a sumo lift to get into the Zercher squat. So that's like yeah. close to sumo. That's what sumo I do.
1: I sumo to get to, to the Zercher. Oh. So. That's not really sumo, though. I mean, that's. I mean, okay, there's like one, you know, Ed Cohen's sumo deadlifted that way. Like, Virtually no one sumo. Did. That's not what they use in competition. I mean, if someone's yeah, well, if someone's pulling it. with their feet like a, like an inch outside of their leg, that okay, fine, that's a functional lift. But sumo with your feet all the way out, okay, what happens if you need to walk around with it? You know, you need to pick it up, move it somewhere. No, nah, you can't do it. It's it's not a functional lift in the same way that a regular deadlift is. You just can't do anything with it because I mean, in strongman, like half the time you're not just lifting it up and putting it back down. You have to lift it up and go do something with it. It's that's functional. a conventional.
2: Yeah. It's functional, Alice, if you're also a super wide multi-fly coupler square. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. And, it, and you squat like man. that high
0: above and parallel. <laughs> like that one video we saw recently. I'm just like, <laughs> just that
1: range of motion. It's just like, yeah, it's that was crazy. crazy. Uh, did, you, you guys saw the one, is, is that the one on, you, you guys are thinking of, that I'm thinking of, where? The guy pulls like seven hundred or something ridiculous, and then he can he can't even do five hundred conventional. I've I've seen that. We were talking about we saw
0: an equipped splash recently that. that was like yeah, the, those those things are surprising Is that. I mean that's line. weird because you've got so guys like be- Jamal Browner now who you yeah. know are pulling over a
2: thousand with a sumo, but I mean also his his uh conventional is
0: just stupid, stupid strong Huge, also. Yeah. But he trains both. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's the it, key is like his is actually a functional lift and everything. Whereas I think once oh, yeah, you get yeah. that like ultra wide, stance, yeah. and he, he's like, not that wide either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there's the power there. So I think power is oh, yeah. definitely like have something there. But I've seen that ultra wide thing. Some people wear it is like that astounding yeah. gap of like yeah. being able to pull six
1: plates and then struggle with four conventional. You're like yeah, that's, that's a huge. That like, makes sense. Like, that's because all. That's I mean, crazy. all I can't even really fully sumo, but all my deadlifts are basically the same. Zercher, uh, oh, not not Zercher, no, Zercher's not the same. I wish it was. Sorry, um, I was Jefferson, about to, to say. say, I was like, no, no, I, I wish, I wish that would be sick. No, Jefferson deadlift, hack deadlift, my kind of hybrid sumo because I can't go all the way out the way the powerlifters do. It. I mean, it's all pretty. It's all within a fairly close margin of, of it of each other. So. You see, some guys do a whole lot of weight behind the back on the hack deadlift. Supposedly, that's easier. I've never gotten—I've never gotten it to work that
2: way. It should be, it's a split, more center of plane um, mm. over your heels, so it should. Technically, I've never done it. I keep keep thinking I'm going to give it a shot uh,
1: just it, to see what I can do. It's it awkward. I'm better than I mean, I'm honestly—I'm honestly more interested in finding ways to not use big weights these days, just because hauling all that out reduces my training time. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm on a schedule with the kids, so if I can find a way to reduce training time, um, I'll try to use those weights. Like I, I I like doing power shrugs for traps, but I've started just doing one hand shrugs with you know with half the weight, so I don't have to haul the plates out. You know, so I I think a lot of people use odd lifts as a way to try to lift more weight. I try to find ways to get more out of less, just the same time.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, doing after after like you know, I've been training. Um, power thing. I can be in strongman for over 14 years. Uh, at the end of the day, I like now I'm I'm in a place where I'm enjoying more cross training, more conditioning, more plyometrics, uh, kind of more athletic shit. But I still train kind of, I like to lift heavy, but I don't find like there, there's no use to having an 800 pound deadlift, <laughs> like really right. in the real world, unless you have to pull a car off of somebody, which is like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Probably never going to happen. So yeah, I mean, I think there's probably more benefit to to lifting, um, to be more well-rounded and, and more fit and and whatnot. We, I mean, it's fun to lift heavy. Like there's like, uh, mm. I don't know. Um, kind of your lizard brain kicks in right when you start yeah. lifting heavy like that, and there's just like something that clicks that's just just raw. But yeah, but it's but it it's. Uh, it comes with a, a big cost, I think, too, that, you know, after 14 years of competing in Strongman, it didn't prepare me to go and do like a three mile hike with a 54 pound pack on my back, right? Doing yeah. those
0: wrecking things.
2: Which you think would be easy, but I mean, it actually wasn't stress. I've been doing a lot of conditioning and stuff, but, uh, you know, two years ago, I probably would have been
0: dead. <laughs> now I think you also, that is a good point of doing things with the one arm like it does challenge the body differently of like that oblique engagement, like changing mm-hmm. things. Cause uh, that's the main thing I've noticed is like, you do have those huge strength and balances once you try to do something single arm of like, I think that's why to me, it really blew my mind that like Alexei Novikov can do either shoulder with the circus dumbbell, like being able to like mm-hmm. rotate like that cause so many people you you can do something with one arm and then that other arm's lagging by 50 pounds or something. So it's I think yeah. that's key, unilabble like you train, said,
1: unilateral yeah, training, unilateral you
0: know training, so single arm yeah, the single searchers.
1: The big heavy stuff I'm pretty close on, but anything requiring skill, anything overhead, yeah, I'm my left hand sucks. Like I, I can do all the deadlifts and stuff fairly, fairly close on either side, but when it comes to anything remotely technical, yeah, left hand lags really badly. So being ambidextrous is very impressive. That's a that's a big flex.
0: It is. There's it a is. lot of
2: training to, to be like that and a lot of rehab and prehab when you're yeah, beating, beating yourself up day in, day out to a strong man. Because I mean, I would go, I would have to, times where I was really good, both arms with a dumbbell, for instance, and then mm-hmm. I'd get really bad bicep tendonitis. In yeah. A in here, and then I, I'm suddenly like I'm right hand dominant when I'm doing everything left handed because I can't pass anything with my right hand. <laughs> I run my right arm because it hurts. So yeah, it's, it's funny a my balance.
1: Yeah, it's funny my for one training cycle I was doing bent press on on my left arm and turkish get-ups on my right because you know, the if I did it the other way it would hurt. I I had I had um tendonitis issues that were preventing both movements on opposite sides, so I had to just do two completely different movements on each side to um <laughs> to make it work and it, it kind of worked anyway, but yeah, but yeah. that's part
2: of being an athlete is that adaptation though, right? So um, being well-rounded and the ability to adapt to, to your surroundings, to your current state, and everything else is uh, is probably the biggest uh, net positive I think you can get out of out of training. Or at least that's yeah. what you should be trying to get out of training. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's always
1: think... there's always a workaround. There's always something you can do productively. I mean, I, yeah. People just give up when they get injured, but there's always something that you can do. You know, even if it's not what you want, you can find you can find some way to make some kind of progress on something.
0: And they said that like you can actually like still maintain at least some strength and like doing that unilateral training. It actually still does affect the other side of the body. Like no matter how hard, of, like Devin Laird had the pumpkin training where he only trained his right arm. His left arm still got stronger, even though he That's only crazy. like intensely so trained his right arm.
2: There's actually really good research that supports that, specifically in in injury to one of your limbs, um, unilateral training, the uninjured limb actually uh, significantly decreases atrophy in the injured limb, right? The people that don't do anything and stop training, like I'm always a huge advocate. If you tear a bicep or something, don't don't stay. I mean, you got to get fixed, go get surgery as quickly as possible, but as soon as you're you know the drugs wear off from surgery get back in the gym and start training because it's going to reduce that atrophy it's going to keep you strong it's going to get you to recover faster so there's tons and tons of benefits from that all around
0: yeah yeah i realize it's, we are coming up on a little over an hour and we usually try to kind of time box it yeah is it okay if we sort of wrap up i know let's, you might have let's do it you have your kids skip to, to and everything yeah definitely I, you are an hour behind us though. So it's not that late. It looks real dark though. I'm like now, now we're officially in the dark hours.
2: Yeah, we can't see you yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah we, so any last we thoughts, Atlas? Yeah. I mean, why don't you share where, you know, our viewers can find you? Um, And any last thoughts you got? Anything last that you want to share with everybody?
1: Okay, yeah, I, I need to work on my elevator pitch, but um, I'm mostly active on Instagram. I have a YouTube, but I barely ever updated it just it's just not as good of a time investment right now. Um, Instagram, Atlas Power Shrugged. Um let's do this. let's try to do a good little elevator pitch. Um I I pretty much just experiment with a lot of old time lifts and I've found that they're, you know, very effective at developing muscles and capabilities that you know the a lot of more modern methods were not helping very much with. I'm not just interested in, you know, finding new ways to show off. i at the end of the day I wanna actually see some muscle or some capabilities or something I didn't have before. And so, you know, my focus is on trying, trying to experiment with these lifts, see what works and, you know, hopefully experiment, you know, bring some of that to other people. I don't, I don't have like one system that I'm trying to preach to anyone or say this is the way I'm just trying to have my page be a, a big toolbox that hopefully anyone can find at least something that could be helpful, even if, you know, a lot of it may not be applicable to your particular situation. So that's, I can refine that, but that's a fairly good elevator pitch just. Perfect. Hopefully, can... it was awesome yeah. having
2: you, Atlas. Um, and yeah, we'll uh, direct everybody to your page too, and you'll get tagged and probably a collab when we get this posted and awesome having you. Have a sure, wonderful Thank evening. you guys so much. Yeah, thank you. Support us on Patreon or Anchor and find us on Instagram or Facebook.